Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fr fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. What we've just uh, heard and uh, seen, had read to us, is part of the Bible. 
And it's actually a letter that somebody wrote, uh, somebody called Paul. He didn't write it on a word processor like this, but he would have written it with an old fashioned pen and ink. Now, Paul uh, lived a long time ago, uh, just shortly after Jesus went back to heaven. And Paul had an experience where Jesus spoke to him and told him who he was, that he was God's son, the Messiah, and told Paul to tell people about Jesus. And that's what Paul did. He went around the place telling others about Jesus. And when he spoke, God spoke through him. And when he wrote his letters, God spoke through those. And that's how they came to be part of God's word in the Bible. Now, Paul is writing this letter to some of his friends. His friends are a long way away from him, and he's actually in prison himself at the time. He's having quite a tough time, but he says he's really joyful. He's not sad, he's really pleased. And the reason he's pleased is because he knows, it says in the letter, that God is working in the life of his friends. It says God is doing a good work in you. Now, I wonder what Paul might have meant by that. I want us to think about a story that Jesus told when he was uh, here. He told his disciples this story and it was all about a man who did a little bit of, well, not gardening, but something not like our kind of gardening where we use, you know, a, a fork and a, a, a little trowel. But, some, uh, but he, he went out and he, he scattered seed on the ground. He went out and he threw the seed around so that people could, uh, so that rather the, 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 the seed could grow and he'd have food for his family. And what happened, it says, Jesus said, every, every day he, he, he'd be there, he'd do it one day, and then he'd go to his bed and then he'd get up the next morning. And then he looked and there was not much there. And then a few days later, go to bed, get up in the morning, and then there was a little shoot growing. And then he'd get up a few days later, uh, and then it would be bigger. And gradually it grew and grew until it became a full crop. And then when he had a whole load of uh, corn growing, it could be cut and it could then be harvested. That was the story Jesus told. And, you know, we, we see that, don't we, in our, our, our lives, in, in our, how, how we live. A little while ago, Bethany and her mum gave us a, a present and it wasn't just a little pot like this but there was a little plant in it it was a, a courgette plant in fact they, they even wrote courgette on the side of it can you can you see that and inside the pot was a courgette growing and we had it on our windowsill over there in the kitchen and it grew and it got bigger and then actually we had to it got too big for the pot so we had to take it out into the garden and I wonder whether you would like to come and have a look and see what happened when it went out into the garden I think we can perhaps all go that way if we uh, can can make it through through so come with me and I'm going to go into the into the garden okay my trusty camera woman is here helping so remember this is the little pot that it first came in and I'm going to show you how it how it's come because it got so big that we thought we need to put it in something much bigger so I found something bigger I don't know if it's the right thing but and I don't know whether you can see but now that won't fit in that pot at all it's far too big because just like in the story just like in just like in the story that Jesus told it's grown it's just happened to be growing 
And what, what does that tell us? What does that tell us about what Paul was writing about, about God doing a work inside people? Well, when Jesus said that, when he told his story, he said that when God comes into our lives, when he's king of our lives, when we welcome him to be part of our life, then his life comes into us and something in us begins to grow. And as we love Jesus more than anything else, and as we get to know him better, as we read his word, as we find out what it means to live his way, so we change, something grows in our life because God begins a work in us and he keeps doing it. And it goes on all through our lives. And in a moment or two, Suzanne's gonna explain how you could just kind of think a bit more about this and get involved in, in, in uh, trying to understand how that might be and do an activity. The rest of us will come back and think more about it in a moment as well. Well, we've been hearing from this letter of Paul uh, to the Philippians. And the Philippians were a church that actually Paul and his team started when he visited their city. And you can tell from the way he talks to them, he loved those people and he shared in their story of how they came to faith because he was very much part of that story. Now, of course, Paul is in lockdown, even more than us. He's actually in prison, he's got chains and he mentions those chains a couple of times in the passage that was read to us. But he's got some freedom, he's able to write or dictate and he can see people. So it's not necessarily a stinky dungeon, uh, as it were, with water running down the walls, more like the custody suite in the palace at Caesarea, where Paul is awaiting trial. And that's hundreds of miles away from Philippi, uh, and so he's writing to them. So he's in lockdown, and they're separated from him. Lockdown and separation, issues that we're facing in our days, aren't we? But he's still joyful. It's a really joyful letter. Several times in the passage we had read to us, it talks about him rejoicing because he's aware, he says, that God is at work in them, in him. God is working in us. And I want us to explore that today. But what is that? How does that happen in our lives? How could that help us know joy in lockdown? And how does it help us with our connections with one another, even though we're separated. So let's think about what we can learn here about God working in us. Now, despite what a lot of people think, being a Christian is not about what we do or what I do. It's not from us at all. At the heart of it, it's about God doing something in us, in you and in me. It's something that's good. It says it's a good work. Now, good is not something that comes out of us naturally. We have to try and be good. We don't have to try and be bad, but we do have to try and be good. And we know that it's not what we're really like. Lots of quite good people will say that. If you could talk to Mother Teresa, because you can't now, but when you could, um, she would almost certainly have said, I'm not a good person at all. But here we read that God is putting his goodness into us, changing the roots of our lives. And it's like what Jesus said in the parable we thought about earlier. God is king, God, the kingdom of God, God is king in our lives. It's a bit like something being planted and something growing, something that kind of comes from out of us, but God puts into us. Now, Paul knows the Philippian story really well. 
He knows that one of them, listening to the letter being read, was controlled completely by evil powers. Another of them was a violent, abusive prison officer. In fact, he'd probably beaten up um, Paul and Silas, his friend himself. You can read about it in Acts 16. So these were a group of people who had all kinds of stuff going on in their lives. But Jesus came into their lives and God started growing goodness in them. And that's what happens when Jesus comes into our lives. So a Jesus-loving person, a Christian, is someone who sees an inner change. It's in us. It happens in us because Jesus is in us by the Holy Spirit. Think about that. God working in you. God working in me. It's amazing. And it, that process that God begins, it is a process. It continues. It carries on. And as it carries on, what do these verses tell us about what happens? Well, we can look into verses 9 to 11. This is what Paul is praying about, and he's asking that God will keep doing that thing he began in the Philippians' lives, and he tells them what he's praying for in this process, and we can find out about what God is doing more and more. And the first thing he says here is that love abounds more and more. You know, when you turn and trust Jesus, when you realise that you need God and that God loves you, when you respond to that, uh, that love comes into your life, then it grows in you and it goes on growing because love for God becomes the centre. It's not me at the centre of my life anymore. Jesus reorientates us. So the gods in our lives, the things that had first place, the things that we loved selfishly or destructively, or those things we worshipped and uh, invested everything into, that all changes because we love God more than those things. Our hearts change and we love others as well. Something changes and keeps on changing. We worship, we're thankful, we realise how much he's done for us. And this love, it says, is, is shaped by knowledge and depth of insight here. What's that all about? Well, the Bible's uh, thinking about knowing and about knowledge is not about things you kind of know about, but more to do with knowing like you know a person, relational. And where this uh, phrase is used in another of Paul's letters, Ephesians, one of the translations, uh, and I retranslate it as, you know him better, you get to know him better. That's really important. There's this change of heart that goes on. And our hearts begin to be shaped by Jesus as you read in the Bible, as you find out what God is really like. So we respond with love and thankfulness. And that leads to a reshaping of our choices. That's the idea uh, in here about discerning what is best. Our choices are kind of reorientated as well. We learn to choose different ways. So our old paths are changed. Things like purity matters now. What Jesus wants for me matters. Our lives are heading, it says here, to the point when we'll see Jesus. That's what the reference to the day of Christ is about. And we want him to be pleased with us when we see him on that day. And so that affects the choices we make now, the way we behave now. And all that comes out of what God is doing in us, in me, in you. Life is growing. 
Now, if that, if you're hearing this and thinking, well, that's not my experience at all. And if your, your Christian life has been about just doing the right thing or adding things into your life, doing good, going to church, being a good Christian kid, a good Christian teenager, and then a student, and then whatever, and all on through. If that's all it's been about, then maybe you've missed something. That you've missed this, this part of our, our Christian experience, which is about God working in you. And if that is the case, well, ask God. Ask him to come in to you and, and be part of your experience, to be at the centre again. And if you're thinking that this is the kind of life you desperately want, that you desperately need, and you've never known it, well, then stop. Turn around and ask Jesus to come in and to start working in you. You can do that right now or during the service as we worship uh, through the different parts of the programme. And if you do, please do get in touch and tell us about it. We'd love to kind of help you move on forward in your Christian life. And the kind of life that starts to be lived, it says here, is filled with the fruit of righteousness. Again, this is Jesus' picture, actually, of how God works in people's lives. Remember, Jesus in John 15 says, as we live in him, as his words live in us, so we produce fruit. He says, you're fruitful. What is that fruit? Well, in the Bible, there's a list of the kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit grows in us. And it contains things like love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, Jesus' character, Jesus' qualities reproduced in us by the Holy Spirit. That's what the fruit of righteousness is about. So God does something in us, whether we're locked down, whether we're locked up or, or whether we're let out again. Because if it's what God is doing in us, it's beyond our circumstances. And as Paul and the Philippians found out in their experience, there's joy in knowing that. But the letter goes on to show us something else. It shows us that God is working between us. Did you notice all that's said about how Paul is feeling so close to the Philippians here? He uses strong words, words like longing for them. I have you in my heart, he says. He fills it. He talks about their affection in Christ. Jesus connects Paul deeply with those Philippians. They're separated, but they're still connected. Their connection is deep, it's spiritual, it's in what Jesus has done, their shared story of Jesus touching them. But Paul is also very practical in this because he writes a letter. He stays in touch and he uses technology. That's the technology he had, writing a letter. But I'm sure if he had got Zoom, he'd have been on it. And we can use what we have to stay in touch. But Notice what Paul is talking about as he gets in touch. It's not just the weather and the kids or what it's like being in prison. He's actually talking about what they share of Jesus together. He says we're partners in God's grace. And so he's praying for them and they are for him. So he remembers this important stuff about their experience of God. And that's what fuels his prayers. The other day I was thinking about this and and on my walk, I was thinking, uh, how does that work? And I started to think of people that perhaps I knew years ago or hundreds of miles away. And as I began to think of them and I remembered how God had worked you know, with us and 
in our lives. And that kind of triggered my prayers. And it, it really worked, actually. There were people that I hadn't seen for a long time who I was kind of right back in that zone and I was praying for them. And, you know, we, I think we can do that. As we think about one another, we think about what God has done in our lives together. We remember that and we pray into that. We remember with joy and we pray. And Paul, as he remembered the Philippians, he kind of prayed into the trajectory of what he saw God had been doing in their lives. And he prays for more of that. And then he tells them what he's prayed. You know, maybe we could do that for each other as we share in God's grace. We remember how it was. We maybe remember something, even if it was somewhat somebody shared in a, a home group the previous week or someone you were praying with in heartbeat. And as you remember that, it triggers prayer. Of course, we can zoom right in and tell people what we prayed for, or we could zoom in and pray for them right there and then with them. But maybe there's a joy that's found in this experience of sharing God's grace together. And that way, lockdown and separation don't have the last word. This passage also shows us that God is working not just in us, not just between us, but also through us. Because Paul shares his story here of what God is doing as he's in the palace dungeon, or the prison rather, the custody suite. <laughs> and he says that the palace guard now know all about Jesus. He said, actually, I'm, I'm here in custody, but it's worked out that the gospel, other people are finding out about it. He says, some people are going around and they're, they're talking about Jesus to, to criticize me. And maybe they were going around saying, oh, that Paul, you know what he says about? He says, Jesus of Nazareth, he's the Messiah. How can he be the Messiah? I've never heard of anything. This guy should go down for a long time for what he's saying. And as other people heard that, they thought, what, oh, Jesus of Nazareth, that's interesting. Someone told me about him. Maybe I'll go and find out more. And that was what was going on. So that even as people criticized, so God was at work and people were finding out more about Jesus. Because God is doing amazing things. He's keeping Paul joyful and fruitful in prison. And how does that happen? Well, it's in verse 18 and 19. He says there that I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He goes on to say that he does expect to come out of prison. And, and indeed, I think that's what happened if this is the imprisonment that I think it is. But actually, the point he's making is that he, 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 God is working because the Philippians are praying and because the Holy Spirit is working through their prayers in Paul's life. And, and Paul sees that. He says, look, I just see Jesus working through me. In fact, he says, living for me is all about Christ. And he says, if I die when I'm with Christ, then. And as he writes to them, he's thinking about them and he's just full of joy. He's full of Christ because of what he knows God does in them, uh, with them and through them. I wonder whether we can be like that in our situation as well. I wonder, does that mean we have a permanent spiritual grin on our faces? Everything's fine? No. It still can be blinking hard in this lockdown. But as we get back to what really matters, as other things get stripped away, so we realise again that our, the heart of our Christian life is with God, is with what God is doing in us. That he keeps on with us, working until we see him with our own eyes. And so in that, we find joy. So there's that new life at work in us, the seed of God's word planted, growing, 
the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And, and we know that's true. So let's look for that in our experience, even though we're locked down and separated. Let's also realise that, that God's work is not just in each of us, but in, in linking us, that he's working between us, that we have that shared grace, that we remember one another and we pray for one another and we connect with one another and we love each other. And that, remember, too, that God isn't locked down. He can work through us. And let's look out for that possibility. Share what's happening with others. Share some stories about what's going on. Uh, it'd be great to share them in your home group or email me. I'd like to share them with the whole fellowship, if, if that's OK. And let's keep praying for one another. So if you've got a story to share or if you'd like instead to talk and pray, then do come along to the Zoom meeting afterwards. Uh, and, uh, you know, the link will be kind of on the, on the screen. Or you can email us at admin at portswood.org.uk. If you'd like us to pray or talk, we, we'll phone you back and we'd love to share with you on the phone or Zoom or Skype or however you like to communicate. We'd love to be in touch.